I feel like when people start out, they do a lot of generic talking and that gets boring. What makes it interesting is if you have a unique take and you really focus on uh, the right adjectives. Don't say, oh, this is delicious. Oh, this is yummy. Oh, I love this. That's boring. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Today, we're cooking up some fun with Bridget Lancaster and Julia Colin Davison of America's Test Kitchen. They're here with cooking tips and, of course, plenty of laughs. Whether you're just learning to cook for yourself or you've been staging elaborate dinner parties for years, you can always learn something from America's Test Kitchen. The long-running PBS TV show features recipes, equipment reviews, and taste tests to help make cooking at home more enjoyable and efficient. On September 20th, ATK co-hosts Bridget Lancaster and Julia Collin Davison will be in St. Petersburg for a live event at the Palladium Theater. Full disclosure, the event is organized by WEDU-PBS and hosted by moi. I'm also a WEDU employee. For ticket information, head to our website, thezestpodcast.com. Bridget and Julia recently chatted with me from their homes in the Boston area where America's Test Kitchen films. In this conversation, they share advice for aspiring TV chefs, their favorite hot weather meals, and the common kitchen equipment they say is overrated. They also discuss the new ATK cookbook, The Complete Small Plates Cookbook. Julia speaks first. You know, this is in response to what people are asking for, actually. I think modern entertaining isn't necessarily the traditional sit-down dinner with an appetizer and a main course that has a starch, you know, of two veg and a meat and then a dessert. I think entertaining now is a lot more casual. It's a lot more free-flowing. And so having people hang out in the kitchen, maybe while you cook and having all these little plates on the counter or in the backyard or wherever, and having it just be kind of a little more interactive and a little more fun. I think that's how I see a lot of people entertaining. And it takes the pressure off, right? If you don't have to set this grand table and worry about all the dishes, if it's just everyone gets a little plate and you kind of put out the food as it as it comes. So I feel like it's in response to that and to this modern idea of entertaining, which is, you know, I'm calling it modern. Obviously, it's ages old. There are many, many cultures who've done this for a long time. But I feel like for American culture or just for how maybe 20 and 30 somethings are starting to entertain, they never did the big sit down dinners. It was always like this. So it's in response to kind of that finger on the pulse of how people want to entertain now. Okay, so I posted on social media that I would be talking to the two of you. And of course, we got lots of love, lots of questions. And I'm going to start with one from friend of the pod, Janet Keeler. It's related to what you were talking about, Julia, about sort of having to perform cooking and and hosting guests. She wants to know if you have any tips for people making food videos to share with their family or social media followers. I mean, you guys are Ooh. are the experts in going from commercial kitchen cooking or culinary school to having an audience. Do you have any advice on that? Yes. <laughs> I have so much <laughs> advice. <Yeah. laughs> I have I'm another sure. two hours of your time. I know. Bridget, you go first on this one. Well, one is have everything prepped out. Think about the sticky parts of a recipe 
and by sticky things that you might have to wait 10, 15 minutes on. Then you might want to do something what we do on TV called a twin. That's where through the magic of television, you know, the pot roast that we just put in the oven, somebody in the back is cooking that off camera, they put in the oven and then two hours has gone by. Another big thing I would say is if you're getting serious about it, invest a little bit in lighting and audio. That is actually what will change people cooking at home. Just it, it automatically raises it a level. So if, if they're thinking about taking it into a semi-professional level or even just want to look very professional, a couple of ring lights offside on either side. Don't do what I'm doing with you, which people can't see in, in, in podcasts. I basically am sitting in a cave, it looks like. Yeah, where are you, Bridget? <laughs> I'm <laughs> you in my basement. Like you're, you're in a jail. <laughs> it's in a bunker. <laughs> That's right. It's my house. Same thing. <laughs> so, you know, a couple of ring lights, don't forget backlighting, things like that. Julia does a lot of cooking at home on camera. So I'm sure she has much more uh, really good advice here. Yeah, that was really great, Bridget. The lighting is super important. The other thing I think about when I see new people or people getting into this is figure out what makes you cooking this unique and interesting. People don't want to hear the same old thing. I feel like when people start out, they do a lot of generic talking and that gets boring. What makes it interesting is if you have a unique take and you really focus on the right adjectives. Don't say, oh, this is delicious. Oh, this is yummy. Oh, I love this. That's boring. No one wants to hear that. It doesn't matter. What they want to hear is, I love how the lemon flavor is bright, but not harsh. And it's creamy, but not cloying. Get to the specifics of what makes that dish good and what makes it good to you. Don't do the gloss over words because, you know, people will click right off. Right. Everything can't be delicious. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and you have to eat it for the people watching. So don't be generic. Get specific. And that's the payoff. I hate eating on camera. I hate it. Because I think my manners are terrible. I think I chew with my mouth open. I hate eating noises. So I'm terrified every time I have to eat. And plus, I'm like, when I'm eating, I'm really eating. Like, I, I kind of forget that people are watching. But you have to. You have to eat on camera. That's the payoff. The payoff sometimes is the pretty platter of food. But what people want to know is how does it taste? And how does that make you feel? Like, oh, this tomato salad is taste like summer all right you know where does it take you that is the payoff absolutely oh, that's so good because i think people are afraid if they're too specific they'll alienate the people who don't share that memory mm -hmm. this tomato salad reminds me of going to my grandfather's dock when i was a kid and i'm thinking my grandfather didn't have a dock but i can still yeah sort of get a sense of what you mean yeah you travel with them you yeah. know, and what's really off putting is if you see someone taste the food and they're trying to be dainty and the they're TV just tasting bite. and, you know, they're not enjoying themselves, you know, like eat it, eat that, eat that burger, you know? Yeah. Okay. So uh, on the flip so. side, David Bledsoe wants to know, is there a spit bucket? Do you ever just not like something? <laughs> <laughs> I heard Giada has a spit bucket. Wow. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're throwing out all the dish here. Yeah, right. We do not have a spit bucket. I don't think there's been any time in the past, how many seasons? 26? 20. Jeez. Uh, yeah, that we have ever spit anything out. Now, having said that, we do film sometimes four or five recipes a day. 
So by that fifth recipe, you are full up. So it might just be that at the beginning of the day or you know, even in the afternoon, if you were demoing a burger, you might have eaten it several bites on camera and then taken that burger off, off <laughs> set to finish because it was so delicious. Maybe by the end of the day, you're like, mm -hmm, and then you leave it behind just because you're, you're so full. I mean, so full. But I don't think there's ever been, I, I, I can say there's definitely been things that I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. I'm glad I was here. And, you know, it tastes really great, but, you know, it's not my taste. And I think what Julia said back to how to cook on TV, that's what makes each of us unique and individual. We don't all have to like the same things. We don't have to all dislike the same things. I, I would say if somebody tried to feed me beets, I would have a spit bucket. Really? Okay, for <laughs> me, it's mushrooms. So, mushrooms. so if you're doing beets, you're just like, I'm not going to be in this segment. That is correct. Interesting. <laughs> I was guest hosting a local show called Morning Blend, and they put olives in front of me, and I didn't even know I liked oh. olives until I had that particular one. And I smiled and I said, maybe this isn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've tried to cook them all different ways. But no spit bucket for me. And I'm pretty sure Julia, <laughs> not, not for you. Yeah. Pretty sure my waistline is obvious that I don't <laughs> really, I don't, I eat the food. You eat In the fact, food, but you both look exactly the same as you did when the show started. Oh, stop. Oh, no, really. Yeah, <laughs> you're sweet. Bridget, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, you know, the food, we do love the food so much that at the end of the day, after filming, what can be packaged up and taken home is we have people that come in and are in charge of that. So not necessarily the food that we cooked on set, but the food that was cooked as, you know, backups and things like that behind the scenes, that's all food safe. So any extras are packaged up and there's a line at the fridge to grab the stuff and, and claim it, put your initials on it so you can take it home at the end of each filming day. Oh, that's awesome. Having different tastes, Jane Simon wonders, do you ever disagree about what you find and how do you settle those disagreements, whether it's a dish or a gadget, anything like that? Yeah, we definitely disagree. We are a majority rule, so that, that does help, but there will always be disagreements. And, and we tend to, Julian, I'm sorry if I stepped on something here, but I, I'm going to bring up the wooden spoon. I and do not like that wooden spoon. I do not like that wooden spoon either. Well, you know what? I don't mind that wooden spoon, but not for what I like to use wooden spoons for. If yes. I'm just stirring something or serving it, great. But I like a flat edge spoon so I can really scrape the bottom of the pan. And, you know, so it, it's things like that. Usually our equipment testing will have a, a favorite and a runner-up. And anywhere in those runner-ups, we can also choose from. Yeah. Okay. I'd say there's very few product reviews that I do not agree with. Right. Between the winner and the runner up, one of them is what I stock at home. The wooden spoon is the exception. It's not my favorite. I actually love it for beautiful. serving. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, but not my favorite to cook with. I like the cheapos. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, plenty of those. <laughs> Are there any appliances that surprised you? Maybe you thought you would hate it, but then you ended up owning one? Hmm. <laughs> you go ahead, Joy, with this one. An electric pressure cooker. 
I was so staunch supporter of the old school. The one my grandmother had was on the stovetop. You get more control. You get more blah, blah, the electric ones. I thought I didn't like how they kept things warm at the end and blah, blah, blah. And then the minute I got my hands on one, I was like, oh, wow, game changer. So much easier. It monitors itself. I use it to make a lot of chicken broth. I eat a lot of chicken, so I save all the bones and I throw them all together to make broth, usually every other week or so. And it's a game changer. I love the convenience of that. The other thing is, I don't love it, but my daughter loved it, is the air fryer. Hmm. Ooh, that's a hot take. Yeah. I I came home the other day and was on the counter because my daughter was using it to test some new recipe for crispy pasta. And while it was out, I I heated up some frozen pizza that I'd saved from the other day, and it was perfect at reheating pizza. And I don't love the compliance that much. I think it takes up a lot of room and whatever, but I found myself using it, so... Wow. Bridget, what about you? Yeah, it's something that I wasn't against or I didn't have a an initial dislike for it, but really surprises me how much I use it is my immersion circulator, my sous vide stick. I use that once or twice a week easily. Wow. What are you, um, what are you doing with it? Yeah, chicken breast, just like Julia. I, I actually think it's the best way to, to cook chicken breast because they're cooking in their own juices at a very low temperature and they, they're never overcooked. It's a beautiful texture. And then, you know, I use that to make chicken salads and fillings. So, you know, I have two boys that will easily eat my entire fridge every day. Mm-hmm. So the contents in there. I use it to, if I have a lot of people coming over, I get out the giant container. And if I'm doing steaks on the grill, it's actually fantastic because you can, you seal up the steaks, you cook them to a certain temperature, you can hold them at that certain temperature and then sear them on the grill at the last minute. And they all come out perfect. And then I, over the winter, I started getting more into, you know, pot roasts and and also some vegetables. So I've started doing corn in sous vide, and I absolutely mm. love it because the corn cooks in its own corn juices, and it's the sweetest. It's almost like candy when it comes out of there. So Ooh. yeah, and eggs all the time. Eggs. That's why it's on the counter constantly. Is is for soft soft boiled eggs. Hmm, Lots of things to try here. And then on the flip side, Aisha wonders, are there any gadgets that we don't really need? I'm thinking about my stepdaughter, Ariel. She's in her 20s. She's getting ready to move out on her own. And it would be so easy to just like put everything in her Amazon cart. But what are some of those gadgets that we don't actually need? Well, I would say a knife set. Yes. A knife set with matching knives in a butcher block thing. Half the knives in there are knives that people won't use. Mm -hmm. uh, And they might not even be the best maker of that particular knife. So, you know, be aware, be wary of the knife set. And instead uh, a set of really good knives from different purveyors is fantastic. And then the other one thing I would say is the air fryer. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Air fryer is a controversial little appliance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, if, do you have a convection oven? And you have a giant air fryer. Yeah, except yeah. in a hot day, man, that sucker heats up in two minutes and it doesn't heat yeah. the whole house. Yeah, I it, it, do that. Yeah, I mean, the basket on an air fryer is quite small, so it's good if you're cooking for one or two, maybe three people. But beyond that, it's kind of, you know, it, its uses are more about reheating or doing frozen foods, yeah. Wow. The knife set's a really good idea. The other non-stick saucepans. Don't do it. Don't do a non-stick saucepan. You'll need a non-stick skillet. I love non-stick skillets. Some people are against them for all the 
issues with the chemicals, but I love them for fish and eggs. I do. And pancakes, but the nonstick saucepans just don't do it. Just get a stainless saucepan that you can throw in the dishwasher or scrub out with a Brillo and you're set. Ooh, dishwasher. I love that answer. Okay. Julia, you brought up hot weather. Uh, We're in Florida. We're recording this Mm -hmm. in July, but no matter when you're listening to this, if you're in Florida, it's probably hot. So do you have any go-to's for hot weather? Autumn wants to know. Oh, that's a good one. I do something called cold dinner, which by its very nature, you can tell I designed it for a hot day. It is raw food. It is a crudite platter with some cheese and some leftover cooked chicken or chicken that was cooked earlier or the day before. And I just put it out on a pretty board. I kind of arrange it, lots of options and fruit. And then it's 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 just down a nibble scenario. And that I, I, we did it this week already because it was hot. And it's kind of cool because you're using up what's in your fridge. And so the key is having a good dip for the vegetables. That is key because munching on a few raw vegetables is fine. But if you have the dip, I find my family will blow through the vegetables, which is what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's cold dinner in our house. Cold dinner. I love nibble situations, by the way. (laughs) Sounds like an R&B song. (laughs) Bridget, what about you? And you're up in Boston. When it gets hot, what do you do? It is currently in the 80s here, so I, I know that's not Tampa. Oh, let me so get my, my tiny violin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Julia did something on TV this year, similar to what she's talking about, a grilled vegetable platter, mm. which has kind of become something that the family loves, where it's you're putting different vegetables on the grill, taking them off at the right time, then arranging them on a platter. You might have fresh burrata on there. You can oh, have... Yeah, that's good if you want to toast nuts and sprinkle it over the board. So it's kind of like a charcuterie, but all with vegetables and it's spectacular. It's gorgeous. We do a lot of like fruit heavy dinners. Mm-hmm. If it's super hot, we can eat easily. The There's four of us in the house and we can probably go through five cantaloupes and, and a whole watermelon with, you know, prosciutto and some other things on a board. So we do a lot of things like that. The absolute fallback if it's so hot and, you know, it's not as hot as down there, but I do have, you know, like 17th century technology in my house for heating and cooling. So the a bowl of cereal, <laughs> it's like <laughs> when mama can't deal, it's like, honey, there's cereals in the, cut up some yes. food. They say it's the most yes. important meal of the day. It's good enough for breakfast, though it's good enough for dinner. <laughs> yes. I grew up with yogurt and grapes for dinner on a hot day. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. what my Yo- son had last night, yogurt and yep. fruit. Yep. And you yep. feel kind of guilty as the, you know, person mm-hmm. in the house preparing the food, but the people eating it, that's what they want. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I always yes. think about what would I want to eat on a hot beach? That's kind of the the feel that you you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to get too tucked into a heavy meal. Also, going back to the sous vide thing, that's where it really helps me out is because I'm cooking bulk amount of, say, protein. And so later on, if there's a, you know, last year it was great because it doesn't really heat up the, the house too much. But even so, after that, I was able to make chicken salad. I added, uh, I made a quick salsa, added it to the chicken. We had tacos outside. So there's like different things that you can do. Oh, that's so fun. I'm just going to pretend like I'm at the beach all the time. Jennifer wants to know, in all of the thousands of recipes you've tested, what are the ones that have made it into your personal recipe box? So many. Yeah, a lot. Right off the bat, there's this recipe for weeknight roast chicken. Bridget's going to laugh. I could talk to you about roast chicken for hours. (laughs) That'll be a I love roast chicken. Yeah. 
Anyway, so the, this chicken was kind of developed by accident. 425 degree. I, I know the recipe so well off the top of my head. 425 degree oven. Whole chicken. You don't mess with it too much. You put this stainless skillet in the oven. You let the skillet heat up. And then you put the chicken right in the skillet, breast side up. 35 minutes with the oven on, turn the oven off and let it finish cooking with the oven off for about 30, 35 minutes and it's done. So simple. Chicken comes out perfect. The drippings are in the pan. They're not burnt and they're already separated. So you can spoon off the grease and make a quick sauce. Like that one I make all the time. Nice. And it sounds very versatile. What about you, Bridget? I do. I'm just thinking back in the past few weeks, the things that I've made several times. One is a a tenga, pork tenga, where Mm -hmm. you simmer a little bit of pork butt with some onions, and then you mash it in a skillet after it's shredded until it gets all crispy with crispy onions. And then you make this beautiful sauce and chipotle flavor. And then you make them into little tostadas. Just lovely. The other thing is I am on kind of a pizza tear right now. So a lot of our New York style pizza from several years ago What I really love is that you can get two days ahead of it. So you make the dough, you let it sit at least overnight one day. Two days is better. I'd let it go three days, even the recipe says not to. But the flavor (laughs) of the dough is just amazing. And as long as you just keep making a dough, just comes together like that in your food processor, throw it in the the fridge. And that's kind of the hardest part, right? That's, That's the sticky part of a pizza recipe is making the dough. So if you already have it there, It's almost as quick as ordering out and a lot better. You know, there's one other summer recipe that I make all summer long. It's a Cook's Country recipe from last year. I think maybe you did it on camera, Bridget, with someone else. It's just fresh tomatoes and raw corn. And you take Mm. the raw corn off the cob and you put it over the tomatoes. And then you make this dressing with a little bit of jalapeno. And you cover the whole thing with, I think it's a little feta, if I'm not mistaken, and a whole bunch of cilantro. It brings the house down every time. It is something about that little jalapeno and the raw corn with those juicy tomatoes. It is, it is, it is like you're in a garden. And mm-hmm. it yeah, is so lime good. Juice, little yes. lime juice on that one. Yeah. And that's queso fresco, I think. Oh, it's queso fresco, yeah. not fatty. Yeah. 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 It yeah. just has enough twist to it with the lime and the queso fresco and the cilantro mm-hmm. that, yeah, it, it brings it. I may, I ate the whole thing the other day. It's supposed oh. to serve like four to six people. It's okay. No judgment. (laughs) That sounds so good. And so summery. You're making my mouth water. And I realized in describing all these foods, neither one of you have used the word delicious one time. So you really are (laughs) pros. Before I let you go, I got one more question from Janet. I was saving for last. She wants to know, Julia, how much hairspray do you have to endure? (laughs) (laughs) So the hairspray has the brand my hairdresser uses is called a quage. And I call it getting a quaged. And I have to hold a piece of paper over my face. And it's easily half a can. Easily. We go through a lot. My hair has kind of always been a bit of a joke with my friends. Because usually it's... I, this is what you can't see on the a pod. It's slicked back, which is teen. It's usually kind of a rat's nest looking thing. Pictures of me of the kid. It's all out to here. So the fact that the hairdresser can tame it and make it look so pretty. She's the only one in the world, only one who can make it look that good. But yeah, it takes a little bit of tussling. Maybe we can get you some kind of quasi endorsement deal because you look great <laughs> on camera and off. You two are so much fun. Is there anything else you want to say about what we can expect in your St. Pete show? 
a lot of fun. We're mm -hmm. hoping to get engaged with the audience and bring you all into the fun as well. And mm -hmm. really, it's been a long time and very happy to be back in the area down there. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you both. It's so good to see you again. And we will look for you down here in Florida very soon. Yeah, coming up. Perfect. Thank you. So nice to see you again. You too. Bridget Lancaster and Julia Collin Davison of America's Test Kitchen are always so much fun. And they're even better in person. See what I mean on September 20th at the Palladium Theater in St. Petersburg. If you can't make it to the live show, you can still get a taste of their culinary genius when you make weeknight roast chicken or southwestern corn and tomato salad. You'll find both recipes along with ticket information for the live event on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. Our digital team includes Alexandria Ebron and Chandler Balcom. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2023, part of the NPR Network.